welcome back to Roll for Enterprise, the podcast described as the squishy heart at the center of enterprise IT. Uh, with me this week, we have Mike and Zach. Lilac sends her apologies. And we wanted to start by talking about pipelines and specifically the colonial pipeline. Uh, if I may just be European for a moment here and say, yikes, that name. Wow. Uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> so true, so true. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of get where they're coming from, but still, well. Um, anyway, so in case you've somehow missed the story, uh, this was a malware ransomware situation. So hackers took control of the pipeline and extorted $5 million from the operators of this pipeline, which takes, um, I believe, both refined and unrefined petroleum products from Texas up to basically the entire East Coast. And people were panic buying petrol, and there are some ridiculous uh, pictures going about of people putting petrol in plastic bags, uh, which, little side note, means they haven't been reading enough post-apocalyptic fiction, because those of us who have know full well that petrol evaporates and evaporates faster in plastic bags and basically non-properly set up storage tanks. So... A, what's even your plan for getting the petrol back out of the plastic bag? And B, even if you do, it might not be any good by then. So th that's going to be an interesting wrinkle to the, the zombie plague. But um, the most interesting thing to me was how uninteresting this whole thing is. And there was a tweet that was going around, which uh, I retweeted, is the thing, basically what everyone knows, all of these technology stacks are held together with chewing gum and bailing twine and hopes and prayers it's it's just all horrible hacks all the way up and down because people are in a hurry and they've got other things to do and it, none of it is really conceived for security and the fact that it can be pushed over with a minimum of determination is not actually the especially surprising part there was a tech audit a few years ago that found glaring problems and yeah, maybe Colonial was a bit worse than others. It seems like they didn't take the results of that audit especially seriously. But on the other hand, I don't know how much worse than any of their peers they would be if uh, we saw those audit results. What do you guys think? Mike, you're maybe closest to this this world. Yeah, well, I mean, um, living just outside of Charlotte, we kind of experienced the craziness. So, I mean, um, I think we, we filled up on gas on Sunday. But Tuesday, I mean... There was, there was traffic everywhere because the lineups. But don't you drive an electric car? What, what do you I, care? I, I, I do, but most of the time we take uh, we take a gas powered car. Don't don't ask, but it's easier to get the kids into a, a bigger car sometimes. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. But um, yeah, I mean the lineups were were onto the road. I mean there was traffic everywhere because of these lineups. I mean people getting into fights, and uh, then I think yesterday or Thursday uh, tankers were. Um, starting to show up on the roads, right? Heading to gas stations to fill them back up. And honestly, people were following tanker trucks and reporting it on, on the socials like, hey, this tanker truck is headed to this gas station and lines would start to form. So it, it got crazy fast. I think what's what's interesting in, in some aspects is there's no way these these hackers or this 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 dark side group was in that network for one day and 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 releases a, a ransomware attack, right? They have to be there studying for for quite a while, which means that you go undetected for a long time. So, I think companies that that suffer from ransomware, uh, you know, they're they they fail to detect someone in their environment, or, or someone is is using um, 
yeah, someone someone else's credentials that they've socially, um, you know, gotten through social engineering. I, I mean, I, I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often, right? Um, I think the interesting part is they paid the five million right away. I think yesterday there were some some discussions about the you know the amount when they paid it, so on and so forth. But they did, and really quick. And I guess companies have a real hard time because everybody tells you don't pay it. But I guess in the heat of the moment, if you're probably not spending on IT security the amount you should, you probably don't trust your IT people, and then you're just gonna fork over the the money. That that's the way I see it. I, I, what's what's the thinking on you guys' side? I mean, because it's it's not easy to deal with, like even internally, right? I mean, it's heat of the moment when everything happens. Yeah, and and with the pipeline down and your name in the news, they, at some point you start to say that five million is looking quite cheap right now. <laughs> it's probably the output of five minutes of that pipeline. Uh, let's just do it. Uh, I I completely get that. I it, this does come back to what we've talked about several times in the podcast before. That there is no perimeter. There's no stopping things at the firewall. Or if you if you do try to have that approach then you lose the visibility when someone's inside the firewall and moving around your network laterally. And then you have no, no view of that and you don't know, you know, they, they got in via social engineering, as Lilac said in the group chat, people are the weakest link. Uh, someone picked up a USB stick in the parking lot and thought, hey, free USB <laughs> stick, I'm going to plug it in. Yeah. And maybe that person doesn't have the keys to the kingdom, but now you're in there, you can infect the network file storage and everyone who downloads the weekly report now has it and as you say they're in there for a few months and you can assume they probably have everything and that's the attitude that you you need to have that people are going to get in and how can you contain that uh air gapping your industrial control network from the office network seems like a fairly obvious task I and mean, you can't manage the entire pipeline by driving out in a truck and turning a, a wheel by hand but you can have a, a hard line. It's literally a pipeline. You can run hard lines along the outside of the yeah. pipeline. Well, there are there are rumors out there that they stopped the pipeline because without the IT systems, they wouldn't be able to invoice customers. I mean, it's 100 million gallons a day, right? So I, I think the, mm. that, that the, adds up to more than 5 million. Yeah, yeah, that adds up more, to more than 5 million. Exactly. So I think and there they, was an incident which came up, and we'll put a bunch of uh, news articles in the show notes. There was an incident that came up that they'd had an oil spill a few years ago, uh, right. I believe in Carolina, somewhere near you, and they didn't actually know how much had been spilled. They kept on revising their estimates, and I do wonder whether that was a factor as well. They literally didn't have control of the pipeline, and if you start suspecting you might have a pressure issue, perhaps, and you might get a blowout, and that's going to cost you a lot more than $5 million. once again, it comes back to... Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. cheaper to fix the problem uh, it was an ounce of prevention <laughs> saves you five million dollars in the long run yeah yeah you were going to say something zach yeah i was going to say this to me is interesting um let's look at the bigger picture i mean is this the new battlefront i mean and we're not ready for it if it is so is that not alarming to anybody here i mean okay today it's colonial but what else could it be tomorrow right and that was the interesting thing there's a, a corruption security article which i put in the show notes 
and they're talking about this uh, dark side ransomware gang. They actually have call centers. And they have a really interesting thing. This is the first time I've seen this particular wrinkle. I'm not saying that's an absolute first. But they're offering to, for a fee, obviously, notify you before they go public with a company's name. So let's say you're a colonial stockholder. They would have told you before they notified the world that they uh, they had control of the pipeline. And so you could short or dump your colonial stock. And that's starting to get very interesting. That's a level of sophistication uh, that we, we don't typically think about when we assume these you know teenage script kiddies uh, <laughs> in darkened rooms somewhere. And these, the impact of this is, is massive. So I read something a year ago, Zoom had the highest ranking in the App Store. February, it was Robinhood, right? We seen everything that was going on with GameStop and all these other stocks. And a few days ago, it was the colonial, because of the colonial pipe down, uh, pipeline shutdown, it was Gas Buddy for the first time ever. So let, let that sink in. That's the impact of, of what we're looking at here. Gas Buddy actually had their whole app go down at some point because of um, how many people were were looking at it. They just couldn't uh, provide the load. And to be honest, most of the people around here were sending like um, updates. Uh, and it was really the the guy who started Gas Buddy, or oh, I can't think of his name, but they were sending out his tweets to everybody saying that, okay, this is the percentage of gas stations that are open and closed. And he was doing it quite often. And you could see that the Carolinas were the one that was, you know, where gas stations were closing the fastest. So, you know, it, and people were, were asking him to stop because they, you know, it was causing, you know, cause and effect, right? People were rushing out because they, they could see that the, you know, we were running out of gas. I mean, do you really stop it? It's it's just open open internet. What what I don't like is there was um, or what I I think I have a a problem with is there was a a Twitter tweet on somebody saying that you know who would have connected this to the internet? Why would you connect the pipeline to the internet? And, and to be honest, I mean, it's the internet of everything now. Like everything is connected. I mean, if you're that company, you are going to connect everything. I mean, who isn't connecting something? I mean, it, it's the way forward. And I don't think we should stop connecting stuff because of that. Now, maybe there's some critical systems you don't want to, nuclear arsenal or whatever. But I mean, you, you, every company is going to connect what they can. There, there's no doubt about it. And I don't think this is going to this is going to stop us. But you're right, Zach. This is the new battlefront. People need to realize it. And uh, if your company is making a lot of money, you're probably a target, right? That, that, that's, what it, uh, that's what it comes down to. Look, you don't connect to the internet, then you don't compete globally. It's that simple. So you can't, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So you're right about that. Uh, I guess I'm curious, how do they pay? I'm, I'm assuming crypto, right? Did they get their payment in crypto? Is that right? No one said, to be honest, but typically... Yeah, I haven't seen that. I'd assume yeah. that because... And someone did, uh, this is one I hadn't put in the show notes, I'll try to dig it out. Uh, someone did write a, a very interesting piece saying, you know, a lot of this wave of cybercrime is enabled by crypto in a big way. Imagine you're the hackers, you've got control, you've done all of the, the malware bit, but now you're trying to persuade someone at Colonial to wire you a bank transfer. Uh, the Swift network for a start, uh, that requires real names and documents. And sure, you can have offshore bank accounts and all of that stuff. But the other thing it provides is reversibility. And so you'd have to be very, very sophisticated operator to actually get any sort of real cash uh, out at the far end of that. Uh, with crypto, you can be anyone and get a very substantial chunk of cash quite easily. 
And I just to say, like, I think people hear crypto and they associate it to Bitcoin. I think most of these um, most of these hacker groups, at least the ones that know what they're doing, are not taking Bitcoin. They're going to the anonymous. Uh, I think it's called Monero, Monero, or uh, and and that's where they go because it's it's anonymous crypto, and that's what most of these um, organized uh, uh, crime organizations are are taking. So yeah, I, I would assume it's crypto. I mean, I don't think anybody dumping a bag of cash somewhere uh, in a as we would see on like a movie or something in a trash can and somebody's coming to pick it up. So where else is this happening? Is this happening in Asia? Is this happening in Europe? I don't really hear about it. Or is it just, is it just the U S right now? I think there was a report this morning about an Irish health, Irish healthcare provider getting ransomware. So, or something like so that. do we give I, the I think, Chinese, I think, yeah, I think it's do we give the Chinese credit for, for their great firewall. That's where I'm going with this. Do we give them credit <laughs> for blocking off everything? I mean, seriously, is this hey, great China? We were complaining about it. It's so hard to connect to china because of the great firewall of china but maybe you know maybe just maybe they're on the right but not that look i'm a proponent of the open internet so please don't don't blow up our uh our social feeds when we post this but uh, think about it how about china great firewall I honestly don't know, and it may be that there's a whole ecosystem going on there within China, uh, inside of the firewall. Uh, I also believe there's some regulation of cryptocurrency, the use of cryptocurrency inside China, so it may just not be possible to extract the value out the far end, and maybe that's the simple explanation. It's not well, a technical the control. They yeah. see all their traffic. That's the thing. They don't allow any encryption. So there's there's no funny games. They literally see everything. So I don't know. Are people going to think like that? Are they going to think differently? Uh, I can tell, you know, Mike is uh, people can't see because it's all audio, but he's thinking through this now. I like this. He's, he's thinking, but it's true, right? There's something going on there. I don't know. No, but you're you're absolutely right. Because, you know, you, you can hear the debate happening in other places. Um and I, I don't know if you know this, Zach, but I think you were working in, in the Charlotte area, oh man, five, six years ago or whatever it was. And um, when hackers started to become more prevalent, and I, what I heard is that a lot of the intelligence agencies in the U.S. went to a lot of the big banks. So we have a lot of big banks uh, here and asked them like, hey, if we need you to go offline, do you know how to do it? Like immediately. And um, and, and that was a serious question that they all asked. And you know, why you ask that? Because if something happens, can you take your, your major data center offline? Can you take one site offline? And, you know, I, I think what we're going to see is uh, companies start to do more and more drills on, hey, what happens if this happens? You know, either uh, tabletop tests or, or, or real walkthroughs, um, because it's, it's a serious problem, especially companies that have uh, quite a high profile. So you're going to see it happen more. I think the other thing is, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but security professionals, my goodness, like security professionals are so in demand in this industry. Um, and, and really, they're always looking for security professionals from fina- from the financial side. I mean, they're not um, because that's where they spend the money. That's where they're most up to date. So it's it's quite interesting on that side. It absolutely is. And you're right, Mike, with what you just said. I mean, security is in high demand. But I'm also going to call it something else. Everybody talks about the internet and exposing everything. They literally locked up computers. So I'm going to leave everybody with this. If we think it's just software, we're crazy. 
there are ways to exploit hardware and there are crazy methods to doing this, right? This isn't just accessing it through software. There's some crazy things you can do with hardware. People have access to data center. It could be HVAC people, it could be whoever. If you have access to a data center, you don't even need a key fob if you want it. So think about think about how deep this really could yeah, go. Yeah, there was that Israeli, it, I think, research yeah. about exfiltrating yes. data through the change in pitch of the cooling yes, fan. exactly. <laughs> yeah. All sorts of stuff. But now let that sink in for an EV. You're a Tesla guy, Mike. So I, I just want to throw this out there that this is very, very deep and very, very wide. But if you want a job, yes, you're right. Go into security and look on the uh, government's website. I have a funny feeling they're going to be hiring thousands of security people over the next year or two. <laughs> but this is uh, calling back to what we were discussing with uh, Priya. Uh, this is where you have to be a little bit sensitive. As a security person, you just can't just come in, jackbooted, lock everything down. You can't run Gmail on your work laptop or something. Uh, you have to be a little bit sensitive as to what does actually require this level of security and what does not. You have to make it easy for people to do the right thing. If they have to jump through 17 hoops just to log into their work laptop and they're not, you know, the CFO or something, and they're going to figure out a way around that. They're going to do their work somewhere else and copy-paste and post-it notes on the monitor and all of the bad habits. You have to, uh, as a security person, you have to pick pick your battles and choose where to focus your energies. And I think that is why uh, I pulled out the, the fact that there was no CISO at Colonial. The security chief reported to the CIO. That speaks of a subordination of security to, to usability, to functionality. But you can also see situations where it's gone the other way and people have uh, gone over and... You know, over the edge and uh, just uh, gone with excessive levels of security for what they're actually protecting. And this is always a tension in organizations that has to be managed with sensitivity on both sides. We need to be secure, but we also need to be, you know, up and running. And uh, we can't get between people and their jobs. So th that's, that's a big thing that I would hope uh, Colonial's peers and all other organizations take away from uh, uh, from this story, that uh, sure it was bad that they didn't have a CISO, but the fix isn't to go around turning off Wi-Fi and for <laughs> you know we're the going, for we're going back to paper and pencil. That's 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 the that's the yeah maybe just, maybe yeah. saying that the engineers who can change the valves on the whole pipeline they should plug into a hard line to do that. Yes, but the salespeople who are negotiating a contract. Yeah, do that over Wi-Fi, maybe mandate a VPN, but be reasonable about what you're doing. Don't you think, Dominic, it also depends on the management team, the C-level executives, like how much is their understanding of technology? I mean, I, mean, I think, you know, some of yes. these places just look at IT and expect like, oh, those are the technology guys, ask them. But I think part of it is like everybody's job. I mean... Well, that's the flip side of the... Uh, the technology eating the world thing. Every company is an yeah. IT company. Uh, some companies haven't quite got that memo yet. We all work in the IT sector. And so to us, it's it's obvious the, uh, how much business gets transacted when the internet is down, very little. But Colonial didn't think of themselves as a software company. It, they didn't think of themselves as being in any sort of IT business. They saw themselves as being in the business of real world products, uh, valves and control systems and pigs Oh, it's a pipeline inspection gauge robots. They they had a few of those super fun techs to look into. That's the sort of stuff they spent their time thinking about. 
and maybe this is just going to be a generational change when uh, the manager, senior management, which let's face it, is uh, usually also senior in years, maybe in their fifties, yep. yep. when those are people who grew up with computers and think about it instinctively as being a part of everything. Maybe this is a problem that will solve itself in that way. But until then, you need people to have a willingness to admit to what they don't know and to listen to people who uh, who do know those things. And that's uh, the healthy corporate culture part. And I bet you the the target list on some of these uh, like hacker groups is probably some of these older industries that have you know, focused like this is big oil, you know, so they, they haven't really modernized or needed to modernize. Right. And, you know, that that's probably yeah. how they, how they set up. And there has world. been some research done about why they deliberately target like hospitals because they will pay the hospital will pay. And it's horrible <laughs> to, to think about that. But uh, on the other hand, it's, it's effective. <laughs> no, so, yeah. 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 Tough one. It's a tough one. So, so anyway, enough about Colonial, but if you're uh, moved by the story to go and do an audit of your systems, yes, absolutely, but also audit your organization and think about your people. Uh, remember not to, to crack down too hard because that will have the opposite effect and people will be looking for ways around your your barriers and that's how the hackers will get in anyway. So you need reasonable and flexible systems uh, as well. Moving on, we wanted to do a quick news roundup because it's been a little while since we've done one of those. There have been so many big stories blowing up. Uh, so we talked a lot about uh, chip news and uh, the way Intel has been left behind by notably uh, Apple with uh, the the Apple Silicon and all sorts of other ARM things. There's an AWS summit earlier this week where they were talking about their Graviton chips again. And now IBM has come out with two nanometer chip so this is insane uh, this is a it level really is. That, it yeah. really is it really is uh and everybody knows um tsm taiwan semi has been working on one but ibm like wheels out the whole wafer and everything it's like here you go no one knew right but um let's face yeah, it tsmc first... is at three nanometers so they're not far behind but still well no. it's a major step yeah. And I, I think, you know, here's here's the thing with IBM, right? They're always kind of first to the game. Um, can Are they the ones who are going to cash in on it? I don't think they, I mean, they've outsourced most of their semiconductor fab, uh, but it still came out of like, um, um, out of the New York area uh, where where their largest fab was for, for quite a while. So yeah, they got the people to do it. Can they market it? Can they, you know, I, I think they're just going to patent it and then, you know, sell out the patents but uh, still i think you know if you look at the overall ibm story it's kind of hopeful to see what they're doing now i i don't know that there's a lot of trust in the industry to continue to to use them and push ibm they they did also say that they weren't going to focus anymore on like commercial ai but industrial ai so so focusing on ai to companies rather than uh you know uh, regular users or regular consumers so lots of changes there, and yeah, I was surprised that they were the first at two nanometer. It's 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 really interesting to to see them kind of push ahead here. Definitely, and you know, storied company. I'd love to see them pull off a Microsoft style reinvention and go back to to being super relevant to this industry again. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's possible. Uh, <laughs> you never might, know. 
They've, you, they've you, got you, Red Hat in-house. They've, they've got a lot of interesting ingredients. It just depends how they mix them up. Yeah, no, yeah. So they, they would have to get over themselves at some point, but I don't know that that's truly possible. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's what Microsoft did. They, Steve Ballmer could never have done that, but brought a new leadership and under Satya. Look at them yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a totally different thinking Microsoft now, yeah? And really uh, not so full of themselves anymore, eh? Really the quiet ones that are, that are going at it uh, continue to grow, continue to do some interesting things. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And talking about crypto again for a moment, uh, so Elon Musk uh, stopped accepting Bitcoin in payments for Teslas right after he'd started accepting Bitcoin in payments for Teslas. <laughs> and right after Tesla's invested $4 billion with a B in Bitcoin. So I wonder whether this is where we get some serious like, SEC regulation of Bitcoin, because if, if that's not market manipulation, I feel it kind of should be. <laughs> so he's moved that market so significantly, destroyed Dogecoin on Saturday Night Live, and now this has destroyed Bitcoin, which, you know, good riddance, it's uh, burning up the planet, <laughs> but still. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, after the, the Saturday Night Live, I, you know, you start to think, like, does he really care? Does he really, like, or is he just saying what pops in his head and, and we're the one, everybody's the ones reacting? Um, I think Tesla's, like, accepting bitcoin was kind of the natural evolution them putting it onto their uh balance sheet was the shocker and that really moved the market but now i you know he said they'd stop accepting it i didn't hear that they would remove it from their balance sheet but if he's saying something publicly they've probably already sold uh at the high price and it's it's probably down quite substantially now that's um, the assumption yeah yeah i don't know that they're gonna go after him but it, it, it obviously is is questionable i mean yeah, I mean, a few words from from people like from someone that people kind of idolize, and yeah, it, it moves markets. So it's it, it's interesting to see how environmentally unsustainable is it. I, I think that's you know, I think you look at it from one angle, and uh, I think there's some uh, rumors saying that okay, is he going to release some kind of you know, if you think of Tesla is a power company, is he going to release something to? make bitcoin mining blockchain more energy efficient and that's the bigger play here so hey we tried this we realized it was bad now we've thought about it we've come out with this product to make it a little easier i think that's I what i don't everybody... think you can the kind of, the whole point of blockchain in general and bitcoin in particular but blockchain in general is the proof of work and that has to be computationally expensive that's kind of the point so that nobody can just I claim something and make it stick. Yeah, and make it stick, yeah. Unless so you could it's always going that. to be energy intensive unless you, you can have a completely clean power chain, though. It doesn't matter if, you're, if your Tesla's mining Bitcoin while you sleep, if you've got it plugged into a grid that's ultimately that's plugged into the colonial pipeline, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not good. Yeah, and I think that's where people believe that his play is coming, either solar or, you know, he's got solar, he's got the batteries. Yeah. Maybe he's going into wind. Who, who knows? So I, I think there's been a lot of um, assumptions there on, on yeah, what's next? Is, is this a setup for something big? <laughs> then that's even bigger SEC manipulation. But let's uh, yeah. Let, yeah, let's see where it goes. Um, and I will and if say, somebody's, and if somebody's going to pull it off and pull it off with a plan, it, it's going to be you know Elon Musk and Tesla. I mean, no way. Yeah. So true as a. Uh capability to make the impossible happen so let's see what happens there um 
In other news of corporate culture, uh, Apple had a rare public uh, facepalm moment where they hired and then immediately fired uh, Antonio Garcia Martinez, who is a Silicon Valley loudmouth, used to be at Facebook. Uh, I, I personally blocked him on Twitter maybe a couple of years ago already uh, because he was saying some horrible things. And so the real question is, how did this happen? How did you not vet him? Like He has a book that was a New York Times bestseller in which he told you exactly who he was. And who he was was not the sort of person that uh, would go without comment, let's say, uh, to bring into your organization. So Jean-Louis Gasset, who's an uh, uh, Apple exec from way back, uh, I love him forever for BOS, of course. And he points out, you know, how come he got hired? That's a huge HR fail. Is the one cockroach theory, if you see one cockroach, there's probably a whole lot more really nearby. So what are the other cockroaches that match this one that, that we did see? So I, there's a lot more to the story than we're seeing. But what we did see was uh, it was a good retraction. At least they didn't hem and haw and try to <laughs> brazen it out. It was really rapid. Um, and yeah, I follow him. I, I, I read his book. Um, yeah, he's like a lightning rod for a lot of, of topics, uh, good and bad, right? Um, what's funny, though, or I think the the, the critical part here that, that maybe people are missing is he's an ads guy. He's an ads tech guy. So, you know, Apple, who's built all our trust on, you know, you know, now this like with iOS 14.5, there, there's like the ad tracking is off, right? Or, or, or whatever they're doing so that you can't follow me around on my iOS device. And now they're building an, an, ad, net, an ad network, what is what it seems like is, is this the biggest head fake? And now they're going to monetize users. I mean, it's, it's not like Apple, but I think here Apple needs to needs to make a statement of what they're what they're doing. What they're actually doing. How- oh, no, they have, they oh. have. I'll try to dig that out. But so what they're doing, it it is internally consistent. I can see why some people would disagree. I can see why some people would think it's very self serving to do it right now when they're in the court battle with Epic and all of that about control of the App Store. But what they're talking about is first party tracking. So they will track your activity within certain Apple properties, the App Store, Apple News, and I believe the Stocks app, and that's it. And to serve you ads in those platforms. So you're looking for ads in the App Store, uh, for games in the App Store, whatever. It will serve you ads for for those things. I, I find this a little bit icky because you know it will let you gazump a competitor's name. You can buy ads against things that you don't own against your direct competitor and there's nothing to prevent you doing that so people are doing defensive ad buying buying up ad slots against the name of their own product to prevent themselves from being gazumped by competitors it's uh, uh the whole ad tech ecosystem is profoundly dirty and i wish apple weren't doing it but it's not inconsistent what they're doing they're saying no third-party tracking but First party tracking is is fine, and they don't prevent like the New York Times from tracking you around the New York Times website and serving you ads on the New York Times. I find it you know materially worse to be tracked all over the internet by that one thing that I looked at one time, and everyone's trying to sell it to me everywhere I go forever after. But I, I uh, would, yeah, yeah, I would totally agree with that. I you know what what Apple needs to be really careful of is they've built so much trust in people. I mean, people trust them more than yeah. any other tech company. Right. Um, and you know, that trust takes a long time to build, you know, a you long, lose long it time to very build. quickly. 
you can lose it so fast, right? So I think how they do this is is going to be uh, really interesting, and they got to go slow. But let, let's see, let's see how they work this one out. Uh, um, and that's where the other that's... the other cockroaches are. I think if they were hiring someone like Antonio Garcia Martinez, who's done ads for Facebook, they've probably been hiring a bunch of other people with that type of experience, which does not yep. speak well to me of the experience that we're going to have on those Apple platforms. And so we'll we'll see where that goes. Of course, it could be that people are um, are, are stepping away from from Facebook, right? Not feeling good about it. Let's go someplace else. Let's do it right. I mean, yeah, there could be a whole bunch of things. But then again, yeah, wait and see. I, I think this is one that um, I think Apple's got to be very careful with. But of course, they've they've killed stuff that they've tried to do before. So let's see let's see how they how they handle it. Yeah. And with that, let's do something we haven't done in a little while. Let's do some recommendations. So I just finished Project Hail Mary, which is a new book by Andy Weir, the the guy you may know from The Martian. Uh, And more recently, he wrote another book that was set on the moon. Uh, This one is set uh, in space around another star. Uh, So you you kind of get a theme there. like his other books, it's a, a technical puzzler. There's a, someone who's abandoned in a difficult situation, has to get themselves out of that difficult situation through sheer gumption and sciencing the shit out of things. Uh, oh, yeah. Inappropriate language warning. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I will say is don't start at bedtime because it's one of those books that you just read one more page and then it's getting light outside and the birds are chirping and uh, you've got to go and do stuff. Uh, it is absolutely a page turner. Uh, there are some unexpected twists and turns. There's some um, emotional moments. He's really maturing in his craft as a writer. The Martian was very much just about the science puzzlers. And this one makes you really care about the character and uh, his travails. I won't spoil it any further, but it's a really, really good one. I think if you're at all interested in his other books, uh, you should definitely check this one out too. So he wrote The Martian, right? The, that they turned into yeah. the movie? Yeah, That's I, I listened to I, I listened to him on a on a podcast. It's quite interesting because I think the Martian he started as a, a series of blog posts and then that became a book. Yeah, and I think I remember reading that at the time. Science. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all, all absolutely true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This so, one I mean, he's uh, he makes a few more leaps, but yeah. And then there's Artemis, which is about a, a moon colony and another really fun one. Uh I think that was where we really started developing more of a character-driven story as well, because the Martian, the protagonist, is kind of a cipher. Yeah, yeah. And now I remember, he was moonlighting. He was So he he had a, a, a job, but these blog posts then became the book, and he wrote the blog post while on a full-time job, and that's how he... And then he just became full, full-fledged full author, right? So um, really interesting story there, so... Uh, if I had one recommendation, I like everybody's talking crypto and all this, and I, I thought mining was uh, was past. But um, I, I spoke to somebody this week who said that <laughs> in the past ten days they've mined the two hundred dollars of Ethereum just because they uh, they're a gamer and bought a gaming um, graphics card and then yeah downloaded some software. So uh, it's interesting. It's it's something that um, I'm planning to read up read up on a little more, but. Um, yeah, let's 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 kill the power grid. That that's that's the that's the, the thing here. So it's just uh, picking my interest, and I think it deserves um, yeah some attention potentially. So yeah, I've know. been running the folding at home client, helping out with COVID research. That's uh, that's where I'm putting my spare cycles. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know it's kind of the same mentality of all the at home um, 
yeah, at home spare cycle type deal. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. I don't, uh, I don't have one this week guys, but I'm going to take the advice from both of you. I mean, those are great. First of all, uh, who can't use it? You know, a couple hundred bucks every couple of weeks. That's great. Um, it's the long road to ransomware. I'm not going to do any ransomware. That's millions in five minutes. It's okay. I'll take 200 every couple of weeks and I'll start small. <laughs> Who knows where I progress? I can't promise. But you won't have to but worry I, about that knock on the door. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, and then, well, Dominic, let's just be honest. You're, you're in Europe. You might, you might have a better shot at this. Think hard about it. Think long and hard. You're not in the U.S. The knock on the door might, might, might take longer. And then while I'm, while I'm mining, I can, I can read this book. So I, in all honesty, though, I will absolutely be taking the advice this week from each of you. And, and I apologize for not having one. No worries. We'll let you off this once. Well, with that, I will thank you all for listening in. Uh, it's uh, always a pleasure to catch up uh, with Zach and Mike. Uh, Lilac, I'm sure, will be feeling better and will be back uh, next week. But until then, uh, thanks for listening. You can check out uh, more from the show on Twitter at Roll4Enterprise with the number four or on our LinkedIn page, the link's in the show notes. Uh, our theme music, which is playing under my voice right now, if all has gone according to plan, is by my good friend Renato Podesta. Please do send us suggestions for topics and guests for future episodes. Thanks and goodbye. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks, everyone.